Mature, Mature content. content. Listener discretion is advised. folks, and welcome to TV and Tarot Talk, the Walking Dead edition. This is episode three, and in today's episode, we'll be exploring the Empress card. I am your host, Naya Thrice. And I'm Meg Watson. And thanks for tuning in. The aim of this podcast is to explore tarot in a chill, casual, and fun way through the lens of TV and pop culture. TV and tarot is meant to be a safe place to explore concepts as stories and shows can serve as a shared experience to build an understanding from. This series is rated mature and might not be suitable for those under the age of 17. Listener discretion is advised. Um, And for this Walking Dead series, uh, we will only be covering the 22 major Arcana cards and a few bonus episodes peppered in along the way before deep diving into another TV series. This is a rewatch spanning the whole of the Walking Dead universe, so spoilers ahead. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Warning. some house quick housekeeping um because i think we will be announced by the time this episode um gets published struggling with getting established on spotify but it is coming so for those of you that use spotify be a little bit patient i'm working it out but we are on all your other podcast catchers so you should have no problem finding us there um make any housekeeping items or anything i don't think so um i do have some spreads coming out for um to go along with the podcast those are based on locations from the walking dead so check those out on our instagram at tarot underscore nerds awesome all right, so let's get into some of the keywords for the Empress card. May, go ahead. Okay, we have motherhood and sexuality, creation and procreation, emotion, fertility, the natural world, a passionate approach to life, sensuality, pleasure, nurturing, creativity, harmony, sensitivity, abundance and growth, openness and receptivity, Smothering, self-indulgence, excessive emotional involvement, uh, the connection between spirit and matter, inner and outer wealth and abundance, fruitfulness, and symmetry and chaos of the natural world, agriculture and cultivation. Sure, sure. And uh, as a person, we have like motherhood, the goddess, pregnant women, managers, things like that <laughs> uh astrolo- astrological attribution is the planet venus all right and because we love our time as much as you love yours dear listeners we're just gonna get right on into it <laughs> all right may start us off with your first point 
Okay, so my first pick is maybe a little bit controversial because this character is only in one episode. <gasps> but I feel like that episode is pretty darn pivotal to how things progress after that episode. So my pick for the Empress number one pick is Eastman the Cheesemaker. The Cheesemaker. Love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time um, watching when, when um, oh my goodness, when Gabriel asks Morgan um, how he, where did he learn to do that? And he said a cheesemaker. <laughs> it took me like, I had, I put on the subtitles because I was like, did he say, what did he say? <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, clearly a cheesemaker. Yeah. Eastman. Okay. So go ahead and uh, elaborate for us why you pick Eastman for, for Empress. Um, well, we start off with Morgan going through his clearing phase and he's having a time. Mm-hmm. And he actually wanders into this beautiful, light-filled, flowery meadow Mm -hmm. and has kind of a moment of calm. And then he hears Tabitha and he follows the sound of this goat. And that's how he comes across Eastman's house. And there is something about that, the the flowers and the moment and the the animal calling to him that was just very empressy to me. Um, Also, the fact that and has a goat and is taking care of it and raising it in the middle of the forest in order to make cheese. Right. Hashtag Capricorn. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is peaceful and in a way that really celebrates life. He's got the garden. He's got the goat. He's When he takes out a walker, he buries them. He checks their ID and gives them a proper burial. burial. Yeah. Um, they get yeah. a marker with their name on it. Right. Which they, yeah, which doesn't happen yeah, at of, all. Most of the show, they're like, we bury our people, we burn the dead. And that, right. that's not how Eastman does it. He's like, they were people. Yeah. But he is he is pretty stationary too, so mm-hmm. I think it makes more sense if they're kind of trickling in. He has the space and the time to actually do that. Oh, for sure. If you're on the road, I mean, what are you gonna do? Um, no, but but um, Eastman is a pivotal character too because the, he teaches. Um, well, he gives Morgan the book, The Art of Peace to Read, mm-hmm. and with the with Venus being, um, you know, like the planet that represents like harmony and stuff like that. I thought that Eastman teaching Morgan um, Aikido is it, is basically what it is. So on Wikipedia, it says that, um, that the philosophy of Aikido is translated as the way of harmony or the way of peace. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, a modern manifestation of Buddha that seeks to unite the mind, body, and spirit with the universal forces of nature. And paradoxically, Aikido is a nonviolent martial art. 
Um, and according to the founder's philosophy, the primary goal in the practice of it is to overcome oneself instead of cultivating violence or aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. It's about redirecting. Evading. And actually caring about the welfare of your opponent. So you have to care about yourself. You have to believe your life is precious, that all life is precious. You have to redirect those thoughts, the history that tells you otherwise. What we've done, we've done. by moving forward with a code to never do it again. To make up for it. To still accept what we were. Definitely Eastman. Yeah. Um, a supporting a supporting point for your Eastman Empress. Uh, we also have the fact that he was a forensic psychologist. So he's interested in how seeds are nurtured and what they grow into psychologically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he talks about it, that he's interviewed like 800 people who are guilty of horrible, horrible crimes. And he's only ever met one truly evil person, Crichton Dallas Wilton. And Crichton Dallas Wilton kills Eastman's family. He breaks out of jail, kills his family, and then turns himself in because the entire purpose was to ruin Eastman's life. And so Eastman kidnaps him. And he starves him to death over the course of, as he says, 47 days. Now that's, that's horrible. That's a long time. I mean, he built this whole cell for the purpose of putting this psycho in there and watching him die. But it's a passive way of killing somebody. You're withholding nourishment. You're not stabbing. You're not shooting. You're not... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it doesn't letting nature nature take its course yeah. in terms of what happens if you get if there's a lack of nutrition and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and it gave me very Demeter vibes. You know, after Persephone is taken to the underworld and Demeter searches for her, but has no um, drive to continue growing crops to keep plants alive. She's just like in so much grief that she has no nurturance to give and that's pretty much what Eastman's doing yeah but that all of that leads Eastman to realizing that that 
that didn't make him feel any better. That didn't solve anything. And right. he, that's what turns him. I mean, he learned Aikido before that, but that's what got him into the the philosophy of it. And really, right. really embracing that, um, seeing the beauty in life and not just the death. Right. And the idea that all life is precious. Mm-hmm. And that people are the most important thing. Right. You know, he has that, um, it's not just surviving, you want to live. And what does living mean? And for everybody I have down for the Abras, um, loving is what living is. It's having people to care about. True. Yeah, because even fast forwarding ahead a little bit, um, that's true because basically when Negan is locked up in the cell after so much time has passed, he's just broken because he has no no nothing to care for mm-hmm. he's really like you know he does he doesn't have lucille like he 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 gets all the mo- time that he needs to like reflect on it and then realize that he's completely like alone mm-hmm. and that it that makes him like when maggie comes for him he's like just do it put me out of my misery yeah um i have nothing to live for so that's just you know like supporting that point of what does living mean and um it's about caring and nurturing and loving other people absolutely i mean we see that time and time again on the show that it's it's about the people it's about f- having relationships and being interconnected mm-hmm. and then also um with eastman starving this guy's i guess we would probably want to speak about um the agriculture and mm. cultivation of land in this world it's like one of the bigger a, a different part of uh theme of the empress where it it's literally life or death sort of you... <laughs> <laughs> hilltop alexandria well even going all the way back to the farm mm-hmm. um and and alexandria hilltop and kingdom they all farm and cultivate um and the saviors do not and even when they try, they can't because the earth around the compound is not fertile. Mm-hmm. And in terms of cultivation, because we talk about the nat- the natural world with the Empress card, but cultivation is more important because it does require a relationship between humans and plants mm-hmm. to to tend to the conditions that are required for the crops to to grow. It's like and to know you, what that what the plants need to be able to intuit that right um and so watching it maintenance is important um uh for for that um and like they start in the south so i you know just trying to like think of it like when they were in the farm and and they were farming i'm like okay that's probably not too bad you have to deal with the extra summer heat so you definitely need to have water to make sure things don't dry up Mm -hmm. but when they move up to alexandria they get winners so if they don't do those crops like sorghum and grains and things like that their winners are going to be super hard Mm -hmm. um and you could just die from starvation just in general besides everything else that's trying to kill them in this world but also on the other side of of that you have foraging which is another way of staying alive and living living off of the land mm-hmm. so in season 1 Lori 
and I think Carol goes searching for like wild mushrooms. Yeah. Right. And then Andrea and Amy go fishing in that season too. Mm-hmm. Um, but Daryl is very apt at foraging off the land. He, you know, so many him and his crossbow, <laughs> squirrels, snakes, worms, possum, the owl. Oh, yeah. Right. It's like, okay. But I mean, that's what foraging yeah. is, is foraging is not just plant-based but it's the natural world whatever is available and in this world that includes canned goods that you can find oh absolutely yeah yeah because that's what's available Mm -hmm. oh my god the episode where rick and daryl have the truck the food truck (gasps) and they're fighting with jesus yes i i was freaking out i was like what a waste of energy and time and like mm-hmm. I don't know how much food how much food that would have like time wise would have been but it just the truck goes on into the water there's no coming back from that I was like that was a bad day <laughs> no bueno man there was even the right toothpaste in there too <sighs> baking soda and spearmint. My heart just, my, it's like going shopping and then the bag breaks on you Mm. and something breaks. It's just like, uh, are you really, you can't go back to the store. You already paid for it. It's just like (laughs) time lost, money lost. I don't know, whatever. The natural. Oh, and something else too. I want to say at least pre, previous to the Alexandria, uh, getting to Alexandria, really and truly who was doing the landscaping? Because have you ever, yeah. You know, in the summertime, that grass just, should be like four feet taller. Seriously, <laughs> like everywhere that they're going, walking through, and just out there in the bush or whatever, like there's no way <laughs> that we'd be able to see anything and not be getting bit alive by bugs. Yeah, honestly, it's like what? <laughs> All right, um, that's the end of my agricultural cultivation point. What you got next? Well, we could dive right into Michonne. Let's do it. Okay. Um, so she's definitely in that, you know, grief-stricken Demeter mode after her son's death. She That's when she um, gets her two armless walkers and just kind of goes off on her own. Just can't people anymore. Yeah. And it's really Judith that baby Judith that kind of brings her back to reality. That when she hears Judith crying and Beth is like, oh, she spit up on me. Can you hold her for a second? And Michonne's like, what? No. And then does hold her and just starts crying. Yeah, she lets it go. Yeah. And then ends up becoming Judith's mom. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's kind of beautiful. And she and Carl have such a close relationship, just almost from the very beginning, you know, after the the suspicion at the prison, once she kind of proves herself to the group. Yeah. Yeah, her and Carl's relationship is really, like, they're tight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she helps Carl get the photo of Lori from the restaurant. Yeah, and the baby, and the, the crib, right? Yeah. She's the one who brings the formula to the prison after yeah. Glenn and... Maggie are kidnapped by the people at uh, Woodbury. Right, right. So, I mean, her intro to the group is like, here's some nourishment for your baby. (laughs) 
Right. Yeah, definitely. Mother, like, she saw what they had and... Yeah, I mean, there's only one thing you're going to do with baby formula. Right. The instinct was, okay, there's a baby alive that needs food. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, in a way, kind of mothering Andrea, too, who was going through her own grief after her sister's death and being abandoned by everybody at the farm. Not intentionally, but... Sure, sure. And Andrea was sick, too, so she was taking care of her. Yeah. And then also later later on too, right? She's um, gets pregnant. She's pregnant with RJ and has RJ. And there's also just Michelle kind of being a mother figure to everybody on Team Rick, and especially once they get to Alexandria and they're kind of like figuring out their their place in things. And she's like, "This is us. We are all one group now." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's the one kind of pushing that. Yeah, she's trying to synergize that when Rick is very much still in, like, this military us-them mode. She's like, we have to make this our home, and these are our people. And Michonne being the empress, then definitely Rick is the emperor, right? Mm -hmm. And and all that kind of moves forward. And even though that she also has... um, her leadership style. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I think it's also interesting that Michonne also becomes the head of security after Rick goes missing. Oh, yeah. And security, um, I feel, I don't know, I feel that's a very, like, uh, I guess, earthy in terms of, like, it's a practical mm-hmm. theme <clears throat> that kind of can come from it. It's like the pr- protecting and the nurturance and she goes a little overboard (laughs) but it's about protecting what they all have grown and have built and all that kind of stuff well that's such an easy thing for empress energy to do is to go overboard to to kind of say that you know this thing needs protecting and now i'm gonna smother it yeah nature could just get wild too because something else um not to t- to digress too much from uh, Michonne, the point of Michonne, but uh, the natural world or the landscape of the world is like the zombies are like weeds. It's like they are part of an, the the natural world. No matter um, how many you get rid of in a season, the next season they come back again with a vengeance. Mm-hmm. You know, and also from the bird's eye view, we get like patterns of the natural world, like the symmetries. Um, and the fractals and the spirals and the weight, like just mm-hmm. how they move, like as hordes and stuff. Yeah. Um, they they essentially become part of the background. Um, as we move on to the show, it's like a little bit. It could feel redundant because this is just a fixture in the world now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get to the point where, you know, there are walkers in their general direction. And they're like, no, I don't have to worry about that one, and they just keep walking. Right, right. And I also thought that it was interesting, too, because in Tales of the Walking Dead, there's that one episode with the scientist. Oh, I love that one. Who says it's fine that the walkers are a part of the world now. This is just the world that we live in. But it only gets messed up when humans try to interfere. Mm-hmm. And then things fall apart. Something to that effect. I'm sorry. I did not watch that episode just recently enough, but... <laughs> 
Yeah, he's talking about like, was, the, the way that they move and the patterns of their behavior and how it, it all makes sense. You can study it. You can understand it. You can predict it. Right. But humans, no, you, you can't really predict what humans are going to do. Right, right. And that this particular horde that he's been studying have been moving a certain kind of way. And then when that one girl and her group come into it is what throws it all off. It throws it all out of yeah. whack. It's a, it's um, a closed ecosystem that he's studying. They're, they're all corralled in and they have no way to escape the area that he's studying. And then humans come in and suddenly it's all a mess. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to like the Oh, no, that was a great point. <laughs> from Michonne there. And the understanding of um, that sort of motherly relationship with when it comes to other people, the way that Michonne follows Spencer as he's going out to try to find his dead mom wandering around in the woods so that he can be the one to kill her and bury her and, you know, say a proper goodbye. And Carl's the one who ends up finding her and leads her to Spencer. She left me a note. She said, I still knew my way. I never knew my way. You loved your family? Yeah. Then you know your way. It's home. They're gone. I've been out here chasing you all over the woods. You still got family. You still got a home. Carl's conversation with Michonne about that, and when she's like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just take her out? Like, letting her wander around. And Carl's like, it should be someone who loved her, someone who's family. It's what I would do for you. And Michonne immediately is like, me too. And it's this understanding of, yeah, that's how you care for people. That it's not just in the nurturing, it's in the how you lovingly say goodbye. Yeah, that was a pretty powerful moment too because you don't realize as an audience that you got conditioned that way mm -hmm. until they like say it because uh, we're still in that weird phase with the people from Alexandria not really knowing how it is out there. Yeah. Um, or how to, how to deal with that. So for Spencer, it's like his first time having to maybe deal with something like that. And of course it's going to be extra hard because it is his mother. So. Well, he's just been such a dumbass up to that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I think that was Rick's point. All of most of season six is like, mm -hmm. you guys are not ready. You guys are not, you know, really seeing what needs to be done, even though it might be painful. It's just like, it's gonna, it's like ripping, rip off the bandaid now. Yeah. Because otherwise, um, it's, I don't know. You just can't live a make-believe. Yeah. And and that's that's kind of how they have the wool over their eyes, I guess. I don't know. Well, that's a, I don't know how to explain. A good uh, juxtaposition of the emperor and the empress that Rick is very, like, they can't do it. And Michonne is like, give them a chance to learn. 
Yeah, can, for sure. Figure it out. Just be the example. Right. Right. She, yeah, she says something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But don't make it happen. Yeah. Which is her saying that the natural world order is going to show them. Yeah. <laughs> don't be don't be causing <laughs> up more trouble, Rick. What is wrong with you, man? <laughs> any any other points you could think of for or any other sub points you could think of for Michonne? Oh, I don't think so. I think that's all my notes. Um, agriculture and cultivation. We we do have all the places, you know, who do gardens and stuff like that. But Hilltop becomes like the primary mm-hmm. producer of of um, crops and things. And eventually Maggie becomes the leader over at Hilltop mm-hmm. and becomes a prime source for substance and uh, for substance, for sustenance. <laughs> and um, when the other communities are struggling, they always they end up going to her and asking her to for trades and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that they can live off of the land as well, which gives her power, you know, yeah. um, and that she, my master farmer, I mean, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> she grew up on a farm. What are you going to do? You know, so it's kind of cool, but also the struggle is real. Yeah. If anybody has ever tried to grow a dang on garden, let me tell you. Well, when she first gets to Hilltop and she's having that conversation with Gregory and he's like, what do you grow? And she's like, you know, tomatoes, cucumbers. And he's like, no, like grains. Like mm-hmm. what? what's mm-hmm. your like sustenance? Um, and Jesus mentions sorghum that they're, that they're growing that there, which is hilarious. I love that that keeps coming up. Yeah. But the garden definitely expands after Maggie takes oh, over. Oh, for sure. So that growth, that growth aspect and stuff like that, Gregory is no damn help. Well, and it's not like he's the one growing any of it. Fuck Gregory. Yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> and then he calls her everything else. But Maggie, listen, I just such a slappable face, man. Right when they meet in the beginning. What's well, so funny because <laughs> I love Xander Berkeley, the actor. Every time you yeah. see him in anything, you're like, oh, I know I'm going to hate you. I don't even know who you are yet. And I know I'm going to hate you. <laughs> Oh man, that's good stuff. But yeah, I I do love the the growth of the hilltop. Like when you get those aerial shots, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, that it was just so satisfying. Well, like they put the windmill in, and they've got mm-hmm. the solar panels. They're all very um, self sustaining. Yeah, that's important. What was I thinking about? Oh, and then I thought it was um, interesting that uh, the because the kingdom also does gardening too, but they use all kinds of different containers, tires, yeah. fire cabinets. Um, but they have a lot of space. It's just they had to work with the space they had, mm-hmm. which um, I just thought it was pretty innovative. You know, yeah. turning anything into a flower, I mean, a flower pot or whatever. I was like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. And then... Oh, there's the fact that Hilltop has not just a doctor, an obstetrician. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the OBGYN, yeah. Yeah, we know Maggie, because <clears throat> Maggie has uh, Herschel there. Yeah, because Glenn uh, saves the doctor. And then when they're getting him back to Hilltop and they're saying, oh, you're a doctor. Do you have any prenatal vitamins in there? And he's like, well, it just so happens I'm an obstetrician and you saved my life, so I kind of owe you. Right. (laughs) Not a bad place to be. No, not at all. I think they yada yada over Michonne's birth. Oh, they totally did. I think it was like she was pregnant and then all of a sudden there's RJ. 
Oh, right. We had the six-year jump. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. And then they did flashbacks to show that when she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But I'm like, who do they have an OBGYN? Oh, well, Enid was studying. Yeah. To be a doctor at Hilltop. So that makes sense. Okay. Hilltop for the win. Seriously. So, of course, we could talk about all the mothers in the show. Um, list them out. Like, Lori leaves her mark because she has Carl and Judith. Mm-hmm. Um, Carol's natural child is Sophia. And we talked a whole lot about her in the last episode. But she has the motherly instincts of protection. We just talked about Maggie as the farmer's daughter. Oh, yeah. Maggie delivers Judith. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. She takes Enid under her wing and nurtures her like a little sister. Yeah. And then, of course, she's the mother to um, little Herschel. I also think of Tyrese as a nurturer. Yes, absolutely. Like, he's all about taking care of the kids. When he doesn't like uh, clearing walkers from the fence. He doesn't like going out on runs. He doesn't like being around all the death. He d- yeah, he doesn't. He just wants to nurture what's there, protect it if need be, but he don't want to fight. Yeah. I mean, when they're at the, the Grove and Mika is like, we could just stay here. And he's like, yeah, we really could. We're just going to live off of these pecans. Is it pecans? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're just going to live off of these pecans, man. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even when they first get into the prison... And he's trying to talk with Herschel. Mm -hmm. And that's at that point when it was still a dictatorship. So Herschel couldn't really make the decision to keep them there. Even though he wanted to, he could tell that Tyrese, he's like, no, we'll take care of our own. We'll, you know, we'll do what we have to do for ourselves. He just knows that there was a strength in numbers. Um, But in most cases, Tyrese tried to like squash fights. Mm -hmm. and 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 find oh as a matter of fact one of the episodes around Grady Memorial right mm-hmm. Rick wants to go in and storm Grady Memorial Hospital and Tyrese is the one who gives the idea of doing a trade yeah and says we have two of theirs they have two of ours let's you know mm-hmm. well, we can resolve this peacefully and at terminus too when Carol's going to go off and do her thing and he's taking mm-hmm. care of Judith in that little hut. And he gets yeah. one of the guys from Terminus is, like, trapped in there with him. And he can't kill him. Even though this guy is, like, threatening to kill Judith. He can't He had it. to be, yeah, he had to be pushed all the way for him to do it. Did he, he did do it, though, no, right? No, he, but- he let him go. Well, he let the and zombie. Then he, and then he-, he comes back and that's when they kidnap Bob. Oh, yeah, he couldn't even. He just could not do it. But he told everybody that he did, which got awkward. Yeah, I think that's why. (laughs) I was like, wait. Yeah, it's true. There was not. And he's not even a good shot either. Yeah. Yeah, Sasha used to say, you're not even a good (laughs) shot, man. Love Tyree so much. So much. Yeah. Yeah. That was another really, really hard one. Oh, Yeah. It was. And he gets bit because he he saw 
I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but essentially the walker he got bit by was a kid. Mm-hmm. And kids are his soft spot. Yep. R.I.P. Tyrese. <laughs> Should be saying that about a lot of characters, but in terms of the, oh, it's going to get the, a lot the, worse. The, we're getting to that point in the rewatch. Yeah, yeah, you know that that energy for sure. So other mothers. So Rosita has Coco with Sadiq, mm-hmm. Nabila and Jerry's babies. Oh, oh, <laughs> I love that family. Yeah, and Aaron, um, and Gracie, and Gracie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. with um. Which Aaron's got some great Empress energy. He is yes going out and finding people to bring into the community to you know get that family together. Mm-hmm. He's the one who he, really latches onto Daryl uh, of yeah. all the Alexandrians. Yeah, he he definitely like nurtures um, Daryl to whatever degree. Mm-hmm. He's also another one like he knows like. He has to, like, you know, when he's out there, that he has to kind of fight the walkers. But otherwise, he really doesn't want to have to fight people. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the whole um, outpost raid, was Aaron in there? Oh, he was in the car with Tara and Jesus waiting outside. So So they were outside. Yeah. Okay. It's not until much later that Aaron has a little ragey moment, but... And that has to do with the whispers, right? Mm-hmm. But up until up until that point, he's very much all about providing and expanding the communities to that growth aspect, mm-hmm. for, for sure. And taking care of Maggie, mm-hmm. you know, she when she finds out that she's pregnant and she's like, "Gotta go try to find Glenn," mm-hmm. and he's the one who's like, "Okay, I understand that you need to go do this. Can we at least just do it smart?" Like, let's right. go underground rather than over the wall. And then they have that, like, kind of bonding experience in the sewers. And um, that's what convinces her to not go out looking for Glenn. Like, okay, I actually am needed here. There isn't really anything I can do out there. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm pregnant. I should probably be more careful. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then the way that he help support her on the way to Hilltop um, right before we lose Glenn and Abraham. Yeah. Now he's one of the first volunteers. Like, I'm getting on the RV. I'm helping get you to Hilltop. Yeah. And then after Glenn dies and there, Maggie's like, I'm, I'm going to take his body home so we can bury him. And she's like, I need to do this. And Aaron says, you need to let us help you. Like, we yeah. need to do this, too. He was our family, too. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that whole, I cried. That whole scene. I cried all over again. <laughs> the whole scene, man. Yeah. Yeah, for, for just... the listeners, I uh, I had to pause for about three, four days on the rewatch because I hit that episode and was like, oh, I'm not ready for this. Then if I'm going to do it, I need to go and do it with the buddy system. So I made Naya watch it with me. <laughs> yeah, and what we're talking about is the last season, the the last episode of season six, and the first episode of season seven. Um, and anybody who's watched, you probably know what we're talking about there. <laughs> um, oh yeah, but that when we get, when Team Rick is all by themselves after it's all done, and that part that you're talking about, he's that like, is he's, our, he's like our family too. I'm like, man. These 
actors are making me tear up, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's just... It's hard because, anyways, we no, we're talking about growth and stuff. Anyways, there was a lot of love there. There was a shared trauma. Let's move on until we get to that, <laughs> to that episode. <laughs> my, my point was was coming back to the um, the same kind of deal with uh, Spencer taking care of Deanna, right? Of um, that taking- respect for the natural order of things and right. honoring the dead. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, Eastman has that too. So I feel like that's a very empressy vibe. Oh, man. And then when when Sasha looks at Rosita and she's like, I'm going to take him. I was just like, yeah. dude, that is such a loaded statement. Yeah. So loaded. But Rosita gives a nod, you know? Mm-hmm. And just like you said, it's the respect of, of the order of things. And she's like, he wanted to be where anyways, you know. Yeah. Um, ugh, okay. We'll get yeah. into so much of that for the lover's card, though. I have so much to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of the theme of of creation, I mean, I guess we, we kind of talked about it a little bit. But, but Team Rick, you know, they just keep expanding their family from strangers. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of who brings the person in, they're all part of that family and they they trust each other's words to know that hey if this per if they're your friend they're my friend too kind of thing yeah um but those friends become family over time and they're all willing to risk their lives for each other Mm -hmm. if to save them if need be and things of that sort so yeah even when they've been through situations where they didn't trust somebody or somebody lost trust um Mm -hmm. that ability to try again you know i'm thinking of gabriel and all of the stuff that he goes through at the church and then when they first get to alexandria and by the time the quarry walkers break down the wall Mm -hmm. he's the one who takes judith he's like i will protect this child and rick is like i know you will yeah yeah his took a long time to get there but he definitely becomes family Mm -hmm. man and glenn is so much bigger than me with um with Nick. Oh my god, yeah. He keeps trying to save this person. Like I would have left him out in the woods the first time. I would have been like screw this. <laughs> and um but that's a big point of like Glenn's character. Like mm-hmm. he he does not have like a malevolent bone in his body. <laughs> It's it's a living, breathing person. It's almost it's almost like, you know, all life is precious. Yeah. With without him having to mantra it. Yeah. That is just how he is naturally. And um well, but yeah, man, but Nick was just like, uh <laughs> just like, Glenn, come on, man. Yeah. What are you, what's, what are you doing? You know, this guy is clearly just not he tried. He tried. He really did. Yeah. And he gets res- he gets my respect for that, for sure. Um, because he was trying to teach him, he was trying to bring him in and trying to, you know, make the family bigger. Because I mean, like you said, we had Gabriel, who was very cowardly mm-hmm. at first, um, but he turned around. He had to find it within yeah. himself, but but he did, you know. <sighs> yeah, Glenn understands that that's like that growth and that turnaround is possible, mm-hmm. just not for everybody. 
but he has that hope that it'll work for you. It'll work for you, like, on an individual basis. Right. See, he's, like, the cultivator of the people. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if, if you, you know, peppers need this much time to grow and tomatoes need that much time to grow. And he knows that some people need more attention and care mm-hmm. than others. And he's the person who kind of, who kind of does that a little bit. Tara, too. Yeah. I think Tara's... Tara consistently puts herself at risk without ever really thinking about it. Just like her first reaction is jump in and help. You know, like when Spencer's doing his weird acrobatics thing, trying to get over the wall, and Mm -hmm. she's like, just starts climbing over (laughs) and trying to help him. Yeah, and then, natural instinct. And then uh, Rick yells at her, and she's like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I think she flicks him off, too. Yeah. Which is pretty great. <laughs> um, oh, but, he, but he also, she also help, gives Denise um, encouragement to that she can do the surgeon thing. Yeah. And uh, without that little bit of nurturance and, and that push... It's such a gentle push too. It's it's very guiding rather than pushing, you know. Yeah, it's very loving and yeah. very yeah, definitely kind of like just, you can find your way. I know you can, and then Denise mm-hmm. does. Yeah, and when she does, it it is at a pivotal point because Carl could have died from the gunshot wound to his eye. Mm-hmm. So with Tara's assistance, Denise is able to use the skills that she did have and put that mindset on that she can do it and you know and she ends up saving carl see this is the little circle of (laughs) trust and creation and harmony that uh the empress is all about you know yeah and then we also have um as a broad stroke just the recreation of the community culture in alexandria to be more prepared for the chaos of the natural world Mm -hmm. just watch all the season six you'll see (laughs) and (laughs) um, it is a juicy season yeah, and to really learn what having each other's back means, what that really means and mm-hmm. what the nuances of that is even like, you know. So it's it's a recreation uh of that of the the mindset of of the team, I guess. And then season 7 is also a recreation. Mm-hmm. By a different outside force. <laughs> <laughs> but we need we need a season six recreation in order to then I want to say season eight it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm see it's like I know there are spoilers in here, but I'm trying to stay on track. So well, and like I don't want to start talking about stuff that I haven't gotten to on the rewatch yet because I I feel like I'm a little fuzzy on some of it. Yeah, that's why I'd be like, if anything, just try to broad stroke it. Yeah, if if it pops up in my head. But yeah, and then I know we haven't gotten that far yet, but also after, so you got season six, the Alexandria forging of the community or recreation of the community. Mm-hmm. Season seven kind of knocks that down. Season eight is fighting for that thing. And when we get to the other side of that, there's the recreation of the Negan savior regime to Team Rick's one of love and kindness and all life is precious mm-hmm. kind of um and, and you know the living need to fight 
the undead, basically. And that's where we all should be not fighting each other and killing each other. Mm-hmm. And the the symmetry of um, Eastman building a cell in order to starve someone to death and then Morgan mm-hmm. building a cell in order to prevent Negan um, from being killed by the community to keep him alive. Right. Which circles it all the way back around. Like you were saying, that Eastman episode is a it's very pivotal. pivotal. Yeah. Right. It, that changes Morgan's entire outlook. And then that changes everything from there. Like, Morgan immediately bonds with King Ezekiel because they are very much on the same page about all of that. Right. <laughs> I love King Ezekiel. So much. He's he's so grandiose, man. <laughs> like you, can, his, you can definitely tell Kari Payton plays D and D. That's so great. So I think I am I'm actually out of written points for the Empress. Hmm. Do you have anything else? Um obviously I can talk about Carol. I can pretty much talk about Carol for almost any card. <laughs> There's this scene in season six when she's talking to Tobin and he's he says, you're a mom. Um, it's not the cookies or the smiles. It's the hard stuff, the scary stuff. It's how you can do it. Strength. You're a mom to most of the people here. And that's that's true. I mean, she's she goes a little overboard in the protective area sometimes Um, Mm -hmm. but that's you know part of the the emperor's energy and and part of that um kind of split between the high priestess and the empress that they carry a lot of the same energy whether that's um upright or reversed or ill-dignified or however you want to look at it um they're kind of two sides of the same coin and carol exhibits both sides at different points most definitely. And it's the the fact that she doesn't want to kill that leads her to abandon everybody to leave. I wish it didn't have to end. Not this way. It was never my intention to hurt you. But it's how it has to be. And we have so much here. People, food, medicine walls, everything we need to live. But what we have, other people want too. And that will never change. If we survive this threat and it's not over, another one will be back to take its place, to take what we have. I love you all here. I do. And I'd have to kill for you. And I can't. I won't. Yeah, she says that in her goodbye letter. She's like, I love you all here, but I'd have to kill for you, and I can't. Right. And Morgan is on that same... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That same way of, again, not not wanting to kill, um, wanting to preserve life. But also wanting to be a part of life. Like, Carol is just so terrified of losing more people. It's hard. And 
knowing that that's an inevitability in this universe. And Morgan is like, but, you know, people are the, what keeps us going. It's that loving is living thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think especially at that point, it's just like she probably just felt like she just hadn't really had time to grieve. Yeah. And that is debilitating. Yeah. Well, and then the fact that she takes that time in the cottage that it's in a cemetery. Like she's got all the space and the time to grieve and is that's what that space is for. Mm-hmm. And taking care of herself for the first time in a while. Yeah. She really hasn't done a lot of self-nurturing. She's been so busy taking care of everybody else and Yeah. And and playing homemaker Carol. And, <laughs> you know, undercover agent and all that fun stuff. <laughs> um Yeah, the den mother for sure. Mm-hmm. Even when she's in that house, let me see. Because Morgan understands, right? He had, he was all isolated by himself Mm -hmm. trying to grieve and stuff. But he understands what needing that alone time is also like once he did. Like when he gets with Eastman, Mm -hmm. he's still in that clear mindset. You know, he has to explain to Eastman what does clear mean. It's to kill everything. Walker's people doesn't matter. Just clear the area. Because that's what this world is now. And this is his one track mind. Um, but Eastman gives him a different philosophy to, to follow. So he finds peace with that and he's able to take that peace and give a little bit of that to Carol and understand where she's at mentally. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you need a break. And being in the house is almost like being in the cage with the door open. Yeah. Because Eastman said as much to Morgan because Morgan was like, um, like trying to break out of the window. Oh my God. That made me laugh so hard. Cause it was like, when God shuts a door, he opens a window and here's Morgan like, working away at the window with the doors not freaking locked. Right. <laughs> right. And it's just like the mindset. And then even though he knows that, uh, well, he opens the door and he kind of fights a little bit. But once he gets over that little bit, he sits in the cage and he just knows the door is open. But he sits there because he needs the time. Yeah. To not have to fight because in this world, I mean. But he, he pulls the door shut and then Easton walks over and opens it again. Like, no, no, no. It's yeah. still open. Like, yeah. This is all your choice to be in this mental right. cage. Right. But that's kind of, you know, s- s- like, you know, juxtaposed to Carol going into that house oh, by herself. Sure. She needs the time to be alone and isolated and not bothered by walkers or people or yeah. <laughs> or anything, just some decompression time. Well, and the, and it's Ezekiel who's like, what if you're here but also not here? Yeah. You know, that and, and that plays right into what Morgan is saying about I understand mm-hmm. you don't want to kill, but you still need to have people. That's what matters. Yeah. If in that moment Morgan is the harmony, then Ezekiel is the love because yeah. Yeah. he was so hitting on Carol so hard. So hard from like the <laughs> jump. Like Yeah. He's uh the when he offers her the pomegranate and she's like, Oh, I don't really like pomegranates and he's like, Oh, the Sweet fruit surrounded by the bitter. It's a juxtaposition or a contradiction in terms, but uh, heaven for the effort. And you're like, you don't even realize that you're hitting on Carol, and you are totally hitting on Carol. Ah, where are my manners? Please, partake. 
We have magnificent apples, nectarines, pomegranates, all grown right here inside the kingdom. It's fruit time. I, I couldn't. Oh, come now. At least take a pomegranate. I always found them too much trouble. Sweet fruit surrounded by bitter. There's something of a contradiction, but heaven for the effort. Park some chocolate in front of me and watch it go bye-bye, but pomegranates, it's just not for me, thanks. Well, if there's anything you want or need, if you enjoy music, we have a guitarist whose talent brings tears to the eye, and we have a small choir. Thank you. All I need is some more rest. It may be a hairbrush. <laughs> no one told me I'd be meeting royalty. Anyway, uh, your majesty. I should call you your majesty, right? You can. Thank you, your majesty. It's a pleasure. The pleasure is mine, Carol. Be well. And it's a say, so flirty. Oh my God. All the Empress vibes, seriously. I mean, I could definitely make some, some points for Ezekiel and the Empress, but I have like two pages of notes for him for yeah. his strength card. We'll hold so off, I'll yeah. Hold it's, off. A, it's a different <laughs> a, a different nuance of the of the theme, yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well I'm all out of points. All right. Me too. Since we are all out of points, uh lovely community discussion question. Um where do you see natural growth in the show or are there other ways that harmony is displayed or represented in the show um, or other symbols or points that we maybe not have mentioned um, let us know we want to hear from you you can send us an email at podcast tarot at gmail.com um, or you can make a comment in our post in uh, facebook discussion post so now that we're announced, don't forget to subscribe so you know when we upload a new episode. We could be found on most of your pod catchers and um, additional information for this episode can be found on our website, taronerds.com, in case you want a quick reference of the topics discussed. Um, and don't forget to sign up for the, the newsletter. Next episode, we will be talking about the Emperor. And with that, we hope that you found this episode insightful and fun. Thank you for listening to TV and Tarot Talk. And no matter where you are, don't forget to take some time out of your week to chill, chat, and tarot. Catch you on the next episode. Peace.